I just love to grind. I love to hurt. I love to find out if I can do it. Like with four laps to go in like a steeple, you're like, there's no way I'm going to finish. I feel awful. Like three laps, but you just, if you stay in the moment, you're like, I can do this right now. I can do this for one more step, one more hurdle. And it's just time goes by and it's just amazing. Like the, the things you can figure out about yourself. And I just love finding out where I can go and how much I can hurt and where that next line is. You know, I'm going to put myself out there more the next race, you know, that, and just keep, keep going and just keep finding out. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 42 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. When your fire burns so bright and your only desire is to see how far you can push your limits to find out just how good you can be, you'll drive 3,000 miles across the country with no money, sleep on a floor with no bed and no furniture, on the odd chance that you can catch on with the dark sky distance running team and take a full swing to try and chase down your dream. Against all odds, after not racing for 1,061 days due to chronic Achilles issues, Brandon Dowdy lined up under the lights at Icon Stadium at the Trials of Miles racing meet and rocked an 829 steeple PR, placed third, and punched his ticket to the Olympic trials in Eugene. Sound like a made-up story? I promise you it's not. Topics covered, injuries, self-belief, mindset, depression, alcohol, therapy, meditation, gratitude, coaching philosophy, love of the grind, and the quest to find out how good he can be. For anyone that's ever thought about giving up on your dream, please take a listen and share this powerful convo. Follow Brandon's journey and maybe even hire him as a coach. Hope you all enjoyed this convo as much as we did. So let's dive on in. Good evening, Brandon Dowdy. Welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How you doing, my man? Doing well, doing well. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm so excited to have you here after your epic race out at Icon and Trials of Miles, man, hitting the Olympic standard after not running. Tell me if I got this right. Is it 1,061 days that you hadn't raced? That's the, that's the exact number. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That is like truly amazing, amazing stuff, man. So man, you got a serious story to tell and share with our Run Chance audience. And I can't wait we get into it but way before we get into the big race under the lights being back out there with the juices flowing i figure it's always fun if you just give a little intro to yourself what was life like growing up talk about your family a little bit and sports as a kid what sports were you involved with when you first got started yeah man i'm uh my name's brandon dowdy like you said i'm from a small town in shepherdstown west virginia uh i got a mom a brother a sister i'm the oldest of the family um, just a, a small town boy that, uh, that just fell in love with running at a young age. Um, mostly just cause I was so competitive. I played basketball, baseball, soccer, um, in sixth grade, I wanted to play football, but they, they made you wait until seventh grade. So that's actually what got me into running, uh, in the first place. And, um, that's just kind of where I fell in love with it and kept at it from there, you know, got it. And you said you're the oldest. 
Uh, and your brother and sister, are they athletic? Are they competitive in sports? Or what, what's their backstory? Well, my sister is a genius. Um, she got, she's younger than me, but she got her undergrad and her master's degree before I finished my undergrad. <laughs> uh, and she got a second master's degree after that. Um, she was actually the first person in my whole family to graduate from college. So she beat me by like a year. <laughs> um, and then my brother was really good at soccer. Uh, he was a pretty good runner as well. Um, but he decided to go for uh, engineering in college. And that would have been a pretty tough uh, pull to try to do the soccer and the engineering degree. So um, he's an engineer now out in, uh, out in Virginia. Nice. And you grew up in West Virginia, right? I did. Yep. Right. And you, I obviously, um, one of the big things I love to try to unearth, um, pretty much all my guests, competitiveness is just kind of runs in, it runs in their family. It flows in their veins, but I always like try to figure out like, where does it come from? You know, sometimes, you know, it could be both parents. It could be an older sibling. You're the oldest, so you're not following in anyone's footsteps. You're kind of the leader of your own clan, but where do you think your own competitiveness came from? you know, as it relates to sports and just, you know, the way you're wired? It's a good question. Uh, at first, you know, it's just, I was just kind of like a natural instinct, like, and I was, you know, I was good at sports, you know, better than I was like in school and other things. And everybody likes to do things that they're good at. Right. So that's kind of where paths take you kind of in the direction that you're of the things that you're good at. Um, and I just, I'm just a really competitive guy, whether it's like a monopoly board game, you know, or like we're playing shuffleboard, <laughs> like at a bar or something, you know, just, I just like to compete. Um, I mean, you know, it's not even always about winning for me. Um, and at this point, I think my competitiveness just comes from the fact that I just want to find out how good I can be. I have this like unrealistic belief that I, that I can make it to this crazy high level in the sport and I want to find out if that's accurate and injuries that kind of stopped me for a while, but um, it's starting to come together a little bit. And I just don't want to have regrets like this. I'm only in this body once, you know, when I'm 40, 50, I can do whatever I want. And right now I'm just finding out how good I can be and enjoying every second of it. Well, it's a great outlook, um, particularly for somebody young. Um, and I, obviously everybody's young compared to me cause I'm 60 to give you some frame <laughs> of reference, but God bless, man. I'm still running marathons. Um, I ran 10 marathons last year, uh, last 10, year, in, wow. 10, no, 10 in 10 weeks to raise money oh for frontline healthcare workers. And then I don't know if you followed, uh, Tommy Rivers, Pusey situation and all ribs, um, the really, um, really famous, well-known marathoner and ultra marathoner and stud athlete who got a rare cancer, but I ran 60 miles for him on my 60th birthday. Um, and I'm currently recovering from a stress fracture from that 60 mile run. Um, so I, I'm joining you in the sidelines, although <laughs> it can't even compare with what you've been through. So I know personally for 30 years of running, racing, and I was a college baseball player. So you have the other sports before you like locked in and running and found out that was like really what did it for you and what you were best at and what brought you like the true fulfillment. But I think, um, being injured for the first time in 30 years. And of course I've had muscle, tendon, ligament things. You skip a week, two weeks. You can't race. You can't be at your best. And I'm not running at your level. I'm not pro. I'm not under armor, but I've run some really quality times. I'm age graded. I'm age group ranked as a master's runner and I can get into any race in the world and all that good stuff. Um, but I think being out for this period of time, if this was like two weeks or maybe a month, I don't know that it would have really changed my perspective on how I view running, but I can tell you firsthand that coming up on four months, I have a remarkably different view and 
everything I've heard from you in your post-race interviews is all about this new kind of reframing your own running, how you've always been a type A runner. And I don't really know too many runners who aren't. Maybe in the ultra world, there's a lot of extroverted runners. I mean, I'm sorry, there's a lot of introverted runners in the ultra world who kind of just get out onto the trails to escape and want to see how far they can go. But in your case, you're so young and had these injuries happen to you. Me, I'm like, my whole experience with running will never, ever be the same. That taken for granted of 30 years of just knowing that anytime I was having a shitty day, you know, Brandon, I could lace my shoes up and go out the door and just be like, okay, let me get some therapy on or let me work through this shit. Or I had a bad day with a client or arguing with a family member or whatever it might be, that ability to like unwind and unravel whatever it is that's got you into a knot for three months, nearly four months to have it taken away is amazing. You're trying to make a living. It couldn't be more different, but it's in a way, it's still really very similar because you realize like, you know, the gratitude that you're talking about, like, I can't even begin to tell you what I would feel like. I would feel like I was floating to heaven if I could actually just go run three miles right now, forget about 20 miles or a, a pace, but just to have that gift taken from you Talk to me about what that's been like, because it was, it was really two years, right? And, and two surgeries, right? It was, uh, I mean, it was five years of off and on running. And then when I was running, it was very intense pain. It was bad pain. I mean, even it had been three years since I raced, but that 2018 uh, USA championships where I raced, I hadn't run on land going into that race for six weeks. I was on the Alter G. I didn't do any hurdle work. I didn't do anything. And I managed to make the final, but I was not healthy and nowhere near it. Um, I remember there's a thunderstorm that year and we had to warm up twice. And I was just distraught that I had to go for another 10 minute run before the race because I had, I had, a, I had tears running down my face just from pain. You know, I'm not like sad. It just hurts so bad that it just triggers, you know, the tear ducts. And it's, so I'm just, like you said, just to go out for like a three mile run. I think I just appreciate it so much more than, especially like you said, people my age. Um, Cause I just. I've just been through a lot in this sport. And a lot of it is because of what I was doing to my body beforehand. You know, I was trying to run a hundred, 120 mile weeks, crush on the track twice a week, lift 200, 250 pounds, like squatting. Like I'm just trying to do way too much. And I think that's what, that's an issue with a lot of professional runners because they don't, they don't believe in their talent. They think that it was only dedication that got them there. So more is always better. More is what got me here. And that's kind of when the injuries for me just kind of started to spiral. Um, and even after the first surgery, I tried to come back too fast and, um, it was kind of botched and I kind of tried to come back too fast. So I had to, I had to run through the surgery again, the Haglund's deformity on my right Achilles, um, the following year. And that's kind of when I was like, I just kind of need to, I need to just rethink the way that I'm doing this, you know, like it's not a lucrative sport. I do it because I love it. So I need to start acting like I love it, you know, and anything that you, that you try to do for a living can turn into too much of a job. Like I don't want to go run today because I have to run today. Right. Even though that's been my dream, my whole life is to be a pro runner. Um, so just kind of stepping back and realizing what I have and where I'm at and just appreciating it and just being in the moment. And that's just, it's super simple. It's not easy but it's just a super, super simple mindset. Well, I think it set you up for success. Um, and having been through, you know, two surgeries now, were, was it the same Achilles both times that was operated on or it was okay. So is it right side or left side? 
Right side. Right yeah. side. Right. And I'm just curious for people who don't know, I know you're a steeplechaser and I know you made the Olympic standard and for the first time running in 1,061 days, which is totally insane. Um, my son ran some steeple in high school, not often, just a couple of meets, you know, they would throw them in and it was just without a doubt, the most intense, insane, wild ride watching them run around the track. Obviously the water jump is just like epic beyond belief. And sometimes the kids would wipe out and take a gainer and it's just the energy of that track and field if it had more of it and obviously you're in it you're running that event um i can't think of an event that is more taxing more exhausting you know beats the body up more and i wonder do other athletes in steeple have issues with achilles is it something that could potentially hit them more absolutely i mean it's a it's a much more difficult uh event just because there's way more pounding uh the hurdling is just so hard on your body um yeah. I mean, even the water jump right now, I can't, I can't push off of the water jump off of my left foot. I can't land on my right Achilles because the way that the incline is, I, I can't like, it just, it would be too much, um, on my, on my Achilles. So I had to make sure in that race that I hit every single one off my right foot every single time, or else I wouldn't have been able to keep running. Um, but yeah, I just, man, I love the steeple. I just love to grind. I love to hurt. I love to find out if I can do it, like with four laps to go in like a steeple, you're like, there's no way I'm going to finish. I feel awful. Like three laps, but you just, if you stay in the moment, you're like, I can do this right now. I can do this for one more step, one more hurdle. And it's just time goes by. And it's just amazing. Like the, the things you can figure out about yourself. And I just love finding out, like just finding out where I can go and how much I can hurt and where that next line is, you know, I'm going to put myself out there more the next race, you know, that, and just keep, keep going and just keep finding out, you know, it's just, it's just fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that is just so awesome. And I can't even imagine the technical aspect of that, making sure that you're approaching and hitting the water jump on the right, on the correct foot. So, you know, take hitting it, you know, take it off on the right foot, landing on the left foot, obviously. Right. I got that right. Cause yeah. the right side's the bad side, but you can't land on the right side. So although it's hitting on the top of the water barrier, that's nowhere near as much pain as it would be for the impact to truly land. But that's crazy. Um, so I mean, you, that, that's the exciting part though, because like, I still kind of have one hand tied behind my back and I've got the Olympic trial standards. So like, what else could I do? Like, that's, that's the fun part. You know, you just get to keep finding out, you know, my Achilles is still healing and it's just going to get better over this next month before the trials. So just, you know, it's just, you know, it's just fun. Yeah. Now, now talk us through like high school, college. I mean, you had a ridiculously storied, you know, high school and college, you know, just unbelievable amount of records, NCAs, like all sorts of things that you're involved with, national championships, all sorts of records. Um, what was it like there? Were you healthy? Were you building? You were on a path, everything went well, or were you also fighting some injuries, you know, working your way through through college, running at an elite level in college? Yeah, no, it's it's funny you ask that because I I have never had injury problems. Like through like the age of like 23, 24, like the first 10 years of my serious running career. In high school, I just got better every year. You know, I was in West Virginia, so it's such a small state. Um, we had some pretty good top-level guys, the Jacob Bertrams of the world, um, but there was no depth in West Virginia. It's just not a running state. It's just the way that it is. So um, that helped me get more competitive because, you know, I was I found myself pretty far in the front uh, in a state that in any other state, I wouldn't have been anywhere near the top uh, my first couple of years. But uh, so that kind of got me at to Oklahoma where I went to college. Um, and 
the first couple of years, you know, I didn't do anything special, but I just kind of kept improving, kept improving. And then my third and fourth year, uh, my redshirt sophomore, my redshirt junior year, I finished fifth uh, at nationals in the steeple. And I finished fourth the following year. I had run four flat in a mile. I had run uh, 1339. Um, I was only two seconds away from winning that steeplechase from Anthony Rochich that had won three years in a row. Felt like I was setting the world on fire, man. I was, it just, it was coming easy and it was clicking, but I wasn't appreciating it. Just like you were talking about with, with your running for the last 30 years. I just wasn't, I wasn't appreciating it like some people were or like I should have been or like I do now. So I just, and I just started putting too much pressure on myself and like, I wasn't having fun. Like it was more fear, fear of failure than like excitement to succeed. And, um, then my senior year, I stress fractured both of my naviculars and my feet. Um, all the professional groups I was talking with kind of disappeared. Um, like I, you know, I went from one of the best guys in the nation to like, he didn't race his senior track season the year that I was the top returner in the steeplechase, you know, supposed to win, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and Zap Fitness gave me an opportunity uh, in North Carolina um, just to, and it was a perfect fit because I'm a small town boy from a small town place. And that's kind of the same situation that Zap is just in the mountains uh, in Boone, North Carolina with a good group of guys and some good coaches. Um and I had a, that, that next year, I had a really good 2017. I ran 747, um, which was like a top 35 mark in the world that year for the flat 3K. Um, I got sick right before USA, so I didn't make the final. But um, I just I had been running. I started running well again. And that's when my Achilles just started getting really chronic. And I just I couldn't come back after that season. Um, it was just kind of a miserable up through 2018. Um I just kind of survived through USAs. Like I was talking about in 2018, I didn't, I did not run on land. I ran on the ultra G no higher than 90% at the most uh, on an ultra G that didn't go faster than five minute pace. I'm supposed to be racing a steeple against the best guys in the U S you know, at four thirty pace over barriers. And I can't break five minute pace for six weeks or jump a hurdle or do workouts or do anything. So I would just, plank for 10 plus minutes straight. And that's how I got my workouts in just to work the mind. Uh, and, you know, just kind of to test myself because I knew that's how it was going to be. Um, found myself in the faster heat in that, uh, that steeplechase in 20 at USA's in 2018. Uh, so I snuck in, I got like ninth or something and I still made the final somehow, um, ran terrible in the final. And we decided that we were going to get surgery. Um, like it's been, it had been a year and a half of pain. And I just was like, let's get this right before 2020. You know, little did we know COVID was going to happen, but <laughs> wanted to get it right before, uh, before the, my run at the Olympics. Cause obviously that's, that's the end goal. Um, so you got to take five months off after such a big surgery, um, not just because of the Achilles tendon, but the healing, cause they, they, in Hagelin's deformity, they cut the bone, uh, off your heel. So, um, just kind of the healing they, the guy who did it took over an inch of bone off. It's supposed to be just a shave and like a centimeter. And they took way too much off. It didn't heal. I tried to come back really slowly. And then, and then I just started pushing it and I was just in miserable pain. And I got up to like 80 miles a week in miserable pain. I went out to California to a uh, race or to pace a steeplechase 
um, because I had my mark for USAs from the previous year. So I was, I wanted to try to do about 2K of the steeplechase to see if I could race USAs about a month later. So this was about May of 2019. And I did a couple of hurdles and water jumps the the night before because I hadn't done any before the race. Uh, and it, I couldn't walk. I just couldn't walk. I called my coach. Um, unfortunately, they were doing the, um, like, we were on a year-to-year structure at Zap, and they were, I w- that was the day before that they were going to meet to decide about my contract and what was going to happen. And nobody has ever come back from two Hagman's deformities on the same leg, and they decided to go a different direction. Um, so I didn't pace. I found out I needed surgery again and I got cut and I was stuck in California and I had no way home, no money. Uh, my, my uncle actually flew me back, uh, so I could just get back to North Carolina and then drive back to West Virginia and just kind of reset. Um, I got the second surgery from Dr. Saxena, who is, uh, in Palo Alto, California. He's done, you know, he did Galen's. He, I mean, he's done Shalane Flanagan. So I went to the best of the best this time. Um, and, you know, took, had to take another five plus months off and then decided to move to Flagstaff because I heard Dark Sky Distance was starting a team. And I heard there was a chance I could possibly get on it. So I drove 3,000 miles across the country uh, just because my former teammate, Pat Casey, uh, was gonna was running for dark sky. He was like, I think we can get you on the team. Steven Haas, the coach, gave me an opportunity. And the last two years, I've been healthy. I've been training my butt off and just been in Flagstaff. And I finally got to show my fitness this weekend. That's that's pretty much the last decade in a nutshell, I suppose. <laughs> that is that's a lot to unpack, my man. That is some crazy. <laughs> no, don't do not apologize, man. I the more stuff to unpack, the more fun. I mean, I don't even know if I can pull this all back, but I'm gonna try. Um just absolute madness. Um trapped in Cali. Uh, you know, they're not gonna renew you, of course. I mean, you know, totally understandable, I'm sure. There's like no ill will on either side. I'm sure they're thrilled. I, I guarantee you that they're thrilled for you that you just crushed it in your race and you hit the standard. No, they both both coaches reached out. I mean, they they've been nothing but great to me when I was on the team, when I wasn't on the team. There was no hard feelings on either side. It's a business at the end of the day. And it was a business decision. Yeah. And so kudos to your uncle. He stepped up. He got you <laughs> home, man. We love your uncle right off the bat, uncle man. Bruce. Uncle shout Bruce, out. shout out, Uncle Bruce. You're in the show, man. We'll put it in the show notes. Uncle Bruce joins the show. Um, so we got to have people like that in our corner, man, because sometimes in life we're just stuck, man. And, you know, we're on an island and we're, we're like we floated out to sea and we got to figure out a way to get back to shore. So in your case, shore was back in North Carolina and then drive to West Virginia. You got an old teammate who is like, I think I could get you on. So I just love it, man, because it's the absolute reach of all reaches, man. And most people, and that's where the competitiveness competitiveness rises to the the surface because most people are going to say, I'm fucked. I'm out of this sport. I've had two surgeries. No one's ever come back from two. I'm toast. I'm out of here. I better figure out some other way to make a living. And then there's that microscopically small percentage of people. It'll be like, oh yeah, I'll get in my car and I'll drive out to flag. And maybe I'll hook up with these guys because my old <laughs> yeah, teammates are. I'm an idiot. Yeah, that, that's why. I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll take me on the team, you know, because I'm a, I'm a cool dude and, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just totally ballsy. Um, I love it. 
um, you know, you got to take bis- big risks in life sometimes to get rewarded. And, you know, sometimes you're going to fail. Sometimes you're going to take your life savings and you're going to start your company and go the entrepreneurial way. And you're going to get wiped out by COVID or a thousand other things that happen to people in this year, this year that will be written about for centuries. Um, you know, there'll be more books written about this period of time in our lives and how people went into the darkest of holes and, you know, just couldn't recover and financially and business, you know, segments wiped out. And, you know, you're at the darkest of spots, you know, you have no money and you say, ah, I'll just drive 3000 miles and I'll go to flag and I'll wing it, man. I'll bet I'm betting on myself. And, you know, you don't even have your health at that point, you know, like you've had the surgery, but it's not like, you know, oh man, I'm totally healthy. I'm ready to oh, roll. I wasn't running. <laughs> I didn't run. I hadn't run a step in like six months at that point. I'm trying to join a professional running team. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense to me. I mean, I totally get it. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, hundred percent. I'm going load up the car. I'm going 3000 miles. I'm making my move. I'm doing it. So, um, at this point, who? in your circle of friends, running friends, old college teammates, who is not trying to talk you off the ledge and go, dude, you've lost your shit. Like hang them up. Like, or who's like in that inner circle saying, I'm with you, bro. I got you. I feel you keep going the course. Like where, where does it come down? Like where, where was it split? Honestly? I mean, it was more of just like, I would never do that, but I respect the hell out of you for doing that. That was more of the attitude. It was not, you know, it wasn't like, I believe in you, you can do it. You know, you know, my mom, family, girlfriend, you know, you get that from those really close people, but it was, it was more like, nobody was like, you're an idiot. Like they might've been thinking it. I might've been thinking it, but nobody said it to me. Uh, and they might've said it behind my back. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's all right. You know, man, that's just how it goes. Um, and yeah, it just, they were just more like, I respect you for going for it. Um, like go give it a run. You know, like I said, my, my goal at the end of my career It's not to make an Olympic team or to run an American record or to like, you know, whatever it is to not have any regrets. Like, I don't want to be that guy that tries to live through his kid or like is always talking about what if I could have done this. I was this good, but it didn't. You know, I want to be like, I found out exactly how good I can be. And now I can just relax and enjoy the rest of my life because I don't have any regrets. That's that's kind of where my head was at then and it's where it's at now. And, um, it's, it's been good for me. Um, just put me in a really good headspace. It's fantastic. Um, and I'm just, I'm stoked that you have that vision and you're, you're betting on yourself. You believe in yourself, but more importantly, you can't leave things in life on the table. It never ends well. And you will spend the rest of your life looking back, just like you said. And as somebody who's 60, I know a lot more about looking back, but I got to tell you something. I never look back at the big swings I took. Never. If anything, I look at them now and go, man, that was crazy as fuck. I can't (laughs) believe I did that. Oh my God. I can't believe I actually did that. That's great. And you know, for the epic fails on those huge swings, they're the things that make me smile the widest, the broadest. And and they make me laugh out loud or I share the stories with my son or other friends and like, dude, that was awesome. But you could have failed. It could have been miserable. It could have been a car wreck. But you know what? Story isn't finished. It's nowhere near finished. But it could have been finished if you just closed the chapter and said, you know what? It's not going to work out. Man, I've had all these hardships. My body's not holding up. Or maybe the steeple isn't for me. Maybe I'll go back. You know, you ran a four flat mile. Maybe you're like, hey, man, I'm going to go sub four. You know, I'm going to focus on something else. You've run some really fast 3K. So, you know, kudos for 
you know, recognizing that um, because that will also transfer over into your coaching business as well. Um, and that those are good lessons, you know, that you've learned yourself firsthand, but that you can impart and share with other runners. Cause it doesn't matter if the people you're coaching want to go to the Boston marathon, like this shirt, or they want to finish an ultra marathon of 50 mile distance or something. They just want to prove to themselves they could run that far, or maybe they want to do an Ironman triathlon. It doesn't matter. You as a coach, me as a coach, anyone as a coach, you can coach somebody to do anything because most of it is right up here. Most of it is like, okay, why do you want to do this? Why are you chasing this? What are your reasons? And what is it going to do for you if you actually can accomplish this? Because that's really, when you strip all the rest of it away, you said it earlier, you, were, you weren't happy with your own experiences. You're running crazy fast times, but you weren't fulfilled. You weren't feeling good about it. And then if you have one bad workout or something else goes wrong, it's like, man, this isn't going the way I want. And I think your experience of, you know, being down for so long, it just makes you appreciate running or any other sport. You could be a swimmer, man. You could be, you know, Mark Spitz in the pool winning like 9,000 gold medals or, or now we have Michael Phelps because I'm like ancient. So I don't even know if you know who Mark Spitz is. You probably don't. Um, but don't yeah, I'm kidding, man. But you know where I'm, where I'm going because there isn't a sport. It doesn't matter. There is an athlete out there. We're all fighting to stay healthy, to be at our peak, to be at our best, to peak, to run in a trials or to get to the actual games. And as you said, with COVID, the whole thing blew up anyway. You know, going over there, it blew up, got skipped out for another year. And in this case, it helped you, you know? And yeah, so that's the thing that where I'm at right now, every, everything's gold. Everything's a win. Like it's all bonus right now. I couldn't have never made a team last year. So everything's just bonus for me. Everybody else is looking at it like, oh, I was in such good shape last year. Like I could have made this team. Like I ran this fast. I'm just, I'm on bonus time right now. So I'm just, and it's, and it's a win-win. Cause like you said, if, if I strike out, like, I don't just have stories, but it also builds character. Like and at the end of the day, who you are is the most important thing and who you are to the people around you. And, and on the other side, I could, I could make a team. So like, you know, it's a win-win. I, you know, I can't lose here. So, I mean, just having that, that kind of attitude and, and it's not like the last two years have just been smooth sailing. I mean, I've had really bad workouts. I've had race workouts where I haven't finished where my Achilles blew up on me. Like, I mean, my Achilles still isn't hundred percent and it's been five years. I mean, that it's, so it's not just like things started clicking and everything fell into place and the rest is history. I mean, Tuesday before, before Friday, I didn't finish my workout. I, I just decided to call it. I was like, I'm not feeling great. I got a race on Friday. I'm just going to rest, whatever, recover. And look at what happened on Friday. I ran, I ran awesome, better than I could have expected. So you just never know and you can't dwell in the, in like in the moment when it, you know, it's everything's not happening the way you expected or wanted or planned. I just, it, I mean, it's just, just, in, just find a way to enjoy where you're at. You know, like there's always a way to enjoy it, no matter how tough something is or, or what's going on. And that's kind of, that's just kind of where I've been, you know? Yeah. And, and truth be told on that Tuesday, if you hadn't been through what you had, you know, most people, particularly most hardcore runners, they're not going to back off on that workout. They're going to go the other way. They're going to double down because what's in our heads? We have to nail our last hard workout. We got to nail our last long run before a marathon with marathon pace miles at the end and fast finish. Like whatever the hell is dialed up, whether we write the script ourselves or we're getting it from a, a really high level coach, like 
we live and die with these fucking workouts. And that's a problem. It's a problem because, you know, the oldest expression in the world is listen to your body. Nobody listens to their body. You know who listens to their body? When I tell you what's good for you. Okay. Hey, man, listen, Brandon, I think, man, with everything that's happened to you, I think, you you know, let's just back off a little. We'll be good. Me? If it's me, I'll be like, no way, man. I'm <laughs> doubling down. I'm doing extra. I'm doing more. And that's where we make mistakes. So, man, kudos, man. You're learning, man. You're still a young guy, but you're learning because if you'd have pushed that, you may not have even had a decent race on Friday, let alone making the standard. So you learn some valuable stuff here, but I want to learn a little more about your time in Flagstaff because obviously you were totally broken at that point. I mean, you get in the car, you drive out there. Like, how did that all come together? You, you end up in Flagstaff. How did, how did you get with the team? How did that work out? How did it come to be? So what I ended up doing, my girlfriend flew out to West Virginia and we actually made a whole trip out of it. Um, you know, mostly because I wasn't going to be able to afford, afford gas. So I needed somebody to get me there. <laughs> so yeah, we yeah, just babe. packed up my Jeep um, and packed up a tent and some sleeping bags. And we hit 10 national parks and we just went up and down all around. We hit like 30 states. I mean, it was, it was just an awesome trip. Three weeks. Uh, dropped her off in California where she lived at the time. And then what ended up happening is another one of my teammates at Zap got cut like three weeks after me because uh, he, he he raced a Chicago marathon and his new contract was kind of based on if he ran fast enough, he'd get to stay for another year, et cetera, or whatever. So he he got he didn't run well and he drove straight to Flagstaff. So he actually beat me there because we were going to be roommates. So he got, he got a, an apartment for us. And then I just, you know, ordered a bunch of credit cards so I could pay for rent and just put it all on that. And we just, we just moved, moved in together where we were already roommates back at, uh, back at Zap. So it worked out really well. We were literally right next door to Pat Casey. Um, and then, yeah, that's, that's when, uh, Stephen Haas was like, yeah, we want to have you on the team. And, um, like I was, you know, at that, at that point, I think I had run like one run of a minute on two minute walk by like four <laughs> and that was it. And I was just, so I was just super grateful. I remember my first conversation with, uh, our Under Armour rep and I was just like, I don't feel like I deserve this. Um, and, and Hannah, she was just like, listen, you deserve it. We brought you here for a reason. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just glad I'm finally able after two years to give back a little bit and to show that like. I've been working for it and I didn't take it for granted. Not a lot of people get second chances and I got a second chance. And like, you know, as much as I'm enjoying it, that doesn't mean I'm not working my butt off. Like that's, it's, it's a little bit of balance. It's a little bit of both. So I just love, this is not doubling down. We're like way past doubling down now. We're like quadrupling <laughs> down. It's like an all in Vegas bet, man. It's like all the chips on the roulette wheel going red or black. I just love it, man. And I think if more people are willing to bet on themselves in life, and this has nothing to do with running, half the time in my conversations on the show, we digress way off of running because anything we talk about that's running related, it's habit, it's discipline, it's consistency, it's showing up, it's being gritty, it's being tough, it's grinding. I mean, it's all the attributes you talk about. They'll make you successful as a CEO of a healthcare institution. I played in a golf outing for my largest healthcare client today. You could be a, a high-powered corporate attorney. You could be a teacher. It doesn't matter what you could be a writer. Makes no difference whatsoever. Habits, discipline, you know, 
being able to just like answer the call. But most importantly, if you don't believe in yourself, who the hell else is going to believe oh, in yes. you? Okay, dude, Thank you're you. getting yeah. credit cards. You don't have rent money. You don't have gas money. Oh. You don't have a plane money to go back to get your stuff from Zap to come back <laughs> to Flag. Okay, and you're you can't go anymore all in on yourself. And if people listening to my show, man, if you take anything out of this episode, we didn't even get to any of the good stuff yet, man. This is all just I, like the backstory, I baby. The half of it. I, I, I didn't have a bed for the first three months I was in Blackstaff. I slept on the floor for the first three months I was in Blackstaff. My, all of my furniture were upside down boxes. I just put my boxes that I had upside down. That was, that was my coffee table, you know, like that's just, yeah, I, I love that. Like if, if, you don't believe in yourself, who the hell will? I love that. I mean, and that's the best part about running. It's the life lessons that you learn and, and the character that you build. And that's why I'm the man I am today. I wouldn't change a thing. I would go back. I would get both surgeries. I would get cut. I would, you know, I would do it all exactly the same because I love where I'm at, who I am. And I'm just having a good time. Like it's, yeah, like you said, it's not about running. Like it's, it's life. Like you can just correlate it and relate it. And it's, it's the same thing. Like, it is the same thing. You could be going to medical school and flunk out and fl flunk out in your MCATs. I mean, it could be lost. It could be anything. It doesn't matter. Okay. There's still, everybody faces that moment, that darkest moment, or maybe it's, maybe you think it's your darkest moment. It's not, but it's a dark moment. It's a real oh, dark yeah. moment, but Hey, I don't have my plane fair enough. All of these things, but somewhere in there, you have that internal ability to say, man, I believe in myself. I'm not giving up on myself and I'm not going to leave what's on the table. I don't want to know what's on. The, I don't know what's left on the table, but I sure as hell am going to find out. I'm going all in on myself and I'm going to take every opportunity and chance. And the furniture stuff is just even more awesome because, you know, like <laughs> we're just, and I am the worst, man. I want all the best stuff. I'm the worst, man. I want the best gear, the best clothing stuff. We don't need any of that stuff to be any good. We don't need any of it. I mean, sure. If you're going to race and try to make an Olympic trials where hundreds of a second are at stake, sure you do. Yeah, you need the fastest shoes and spikes and other stuff. But the truth is, man, dudes can run barefoot and still beat you. I mean, if somebody wants it bad enough and they're fast enough and their heart is big enough, they're going to win. That's who's going to win. So you got the big heart, man, and you believe in yourself. So furniture highly overrated me Over. i can't sleep on a floor i mean although i did in japan we did we did east eastern western it was a big trip for like uh 21 days and i was there for business and corporate and we went to manufacturing plants and some other stuff and so we did we slept on tatami mats and stuff but those mats were they're not mats like a gym class mat these things were like this i mean you basically were sleeping on a wood floor and i remember you know, I was like, what? I can't do this. But after a few days, like anything you else, you adjust you and you're like, yeah, it doesn't it's matter. Easy. Like I was sleeping great. After, yeah. After, like you said, a couple of days, I was fine. I didn't even need a bed. Like I only got a bed because one of, uh, one of my friends was like leaving town and she gave it to me for like 40 bucks. I was like, all right, cool. I'll take a bed then. <laughs> Boom. Upgrade. Maybe. Hey, things are, things are on the uptick, baby. It's happening. Brandon now has a bed. Hashtag Brandon has a bed. Things are looking up, baby. We got gas money. We got rent money. We got a roommate. We're on a team. And uh, so, you know, and you're barely even running. Barely. Okay. Like when I say barely, I know what it's like because I'm stress fracture mode. So, you know, I, I started a month ago at three months and I was allowed to run for like five minutes on five off whenever. And, you know, I made it like three days, like every other day. And I made it three days and I was like, no, it's over. 
Um, I don't need an MRI to tell me I'm not healed yet. You know, I was like, nope, we're shutting it down. So now I'm waiting. I'm almost at my fourth month and I can already tell I'm going to be okay because I'm playing golf. And although that's not impact and you know everything about impact, dude, you're hurtling and doing water jumps. I think you know a lot more about impact than I will ever know. Um, although I may have run a zillion more miles than you in my lifetime, but, um, I could even tell today on the golf course. I mean, and look, when you crush a drive and you really plant, you know, you're, you're definitely loading on a leg, but it's still nothing like running, man. There's nothing like running, you know, and people just don't get it. And the feet, like, man, that's tough because it all starts at the bottom, right? The chain starts there and works its way up. So it also leads itself to other injuries. I mean, do you, did it ever mess with other stuff for you, other oh, mechanics? Yeah. I mean, and that's, what I, that's what I mean. Like, I could, I mean, I could talk for hours about all the issues I've had, like, just still have, still working through, like, I mean, I, I don't go for a run without doing 20 minutes or more of exercises that I have to do for my knee and my Achilles and my hamstring and like everything on my right side of my body. I, I, I have two hour appointments a week. I mean, I could just, you know, like I could just go on for like, like you said, like, it's just, it's the boring stuff, but like, it's the nitty gritty tough stuff. And that's, that's, that's where you find out how bad you want it. Like one day at a time when nobody's watching, like, just, just got to get through it. Um, and then try to enjoy it. You know, like, it's like, I, I don't think I broke five miles in a week for my first month back, maybe even six weeks back. It was like one mile, two miles, one mile, four miles. And that's not days. That's weeks, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so that's how slow you build up. And then I didn't break 30 miles for six months, you know, like, so it's not like I had two years of running 80 miles a week. Like I, you gotta, you start from scratch at that point. So if you can't find a way to enjoy it, then you'll be miserable. I mean, you got to enjoy the little steps that, that get you to the end, you know, wherever that, that end is. And I think that's really hard for type A professional runners to do. If, if you're not in the best shape of your life, running the best times of your life, you're not happy. And that's, you can't live like that. You just can't, you can't like it's when after your stress fracture, enjoy that first run on land, like soak it in, like your first workout back, the first like legit track session you do. And then the first race, even if it goes terribly, I was lucky enough that it went awesome, but I've been happy no matter what. I just, I was just happy to be out there. And it took a lot for me to get here. And like, I don't want other people to have to go through so much shit just to have a good head on their shoulders. It's just, just try to open your eyes and enjoy the moment and like whatever that is, like an easy five mile run, whatever. Like, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going on a tangent, but that's just, I'm pretty passionate about that. Like, just because, you know, the, the last, last five years, you know, I just learned so many tough lessons that I don't want other people to have to learn, you know, and it's just want to open people's eyes. <laughs> it's a, but it's a great tangent because, you know, I think a huge problem that we find ourselves in with social is just this crazy, insane, I don't care what your sport is. I mean, you could be, you know, an OCR athlete, a strength, you know, power lifter, you name a sport, give it to me, man. Swimming. I don't care what it is. There is not a person out there that isn't posting exactly what they're doing and showing you their best photographs and how ripped their abs are and everything else. That's the worst part. That's why people want to try to rip these workouts because all they see is somebody's best workout of their six weeks. They don't see all the DNFs. Like, I mean, I do the same thing. Everybody does it. It's like, here's, here's the best workout I've ever done in my life. And then somebody that you're racing against that weekend looks at it and it's like, well, now I got to do that. Right. And that's, 
it's it's so hard in today's world. It's so hard with Instagram and everything. Like as good as technology is, like it's a double-edged sword. You got to be careful. It is. And and I'm going to I'll give you a, a fun story which you'll either relate to or you won't, but um so we have Strava, we have Instagram, we have Facebook. You know, we just have every single, you know, workout tool in the world. Coaches can upload workouts to XYZ program and shit's available. And whether it's on Garmin or Coros, whatever watch you're wearing, it's all out there. You know, I have a really good friend. She's won the JFK 50 miler. She was one place behind Sarah Hall in the Boston marathon. She ran 236 in the heat. Um, the last year Boston was official, which was 2019. I mean, she's won UTMB over in Europe. I mean, she's a stud. She used to come top five in Ironman triathlons when she did those. Now she's had two kids and she's more focused on marathons and ultras. And she's like, dude, no one's ever going to see my workouts ever. They're not going on Strava. They're not going anywhere. I know my workouts and you know them because I share them with you. Nobody's going to see that I ran 23 miles on the treadmill and I started cut downs at six minute pace and worked my way down to 520. You know that and I know that. If you ever tell anyone, I'll kick your ass. And trust me, she, this, she <laughs> will kick my ass. Yeah. Oh no. She's, she's, she's supposed to be my first guest of the podcast. He was actually supposed to be my co-host. So the whole idea of this show, you, you'll either Either love or not love this, but the whole idea of the show is when you go out for a run with your buddy, man or female or group, your college buddies, anybody's, what goes on when you talk about it in the run, it's it's sanct, man. You don't talk about it. It's like the confessional. You talk about anything, man. You talk about your coaches, your teachers, your wives, your girlfriends, whatever. And you know, it's certainly not all glowing stuff, but a lot of it can be, it can be awesome or family members or bullshit that's going on with work. But man, when you talk about out there, it's all safe, man. It's all sacrosanct. And when you come back, it's all like, no one's ever going to know about it again. That conversation's over. It's all safe. And you sure as hell ain't sharing it with anybody. And you ain't writing about it on no Instagram post. It's just like you air it all out, man. You get your dirty laundry out there, but also the really good stuff, man. Somebody's pregnant. Somebody's going to have a baby. Somebody got promoted. And that was kind of the whole idea of the show. Those kind of just totally uncluttered conversations, man, like unfiltered, just like raw conversations about life, man, shit we're struggling with, stuff that like you've gone through that's like you need a long run to break it all down. You can't run for like 30 minutes and get to it. You know, maybe you can get to some of it, but you're not going to get past the surface level. And past the surface level, that's where all the gold is. And, and people can relate. People don't realize like a lot, so many people go through hell, like, and you don't realize like you can relate. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm the only one that, that's been through hell and back in the sport. So many people have, and in any sport and in life and like people go through tragedy, tragedies all the time. And, you know, we just, we're so focused on ourselves and we don't even, we don't even notice what's going on around us that, yeah, like you said, those runs, that's like, that's when you get, that's when you get into it. That's when you open up. That's, that's why like your best friends are the ones you ran with in high school and college. And after that, like, that's, that's why runners are so weird. And like, and you know, want want to be around other runners, you know, like at, at zap, we had a camp and it was always just about how weird everybody was. And all the same people came every year to the same weekend of the same camp, you know, it's, it's just a closeness that, that you don't get with a lot of other things, because like you said, we stay at that surface level and we're scared to open up and we're scared that people can't relate, but every, everybody's got their story. Everybody's got their story. Like, uh, it's true. It's true. But the, the, com the competitive sharing and looking at what other people do that run the mile, 
or run the half marathon or run the steeple, I mean, that is a double-edged sword and it's dangerous territory because, you know, you got to focus on, you know, someone's writing your workouts, obviously, but you're also coaching other athletes that you work with. So, you know, you got to put a lot of thought into that. Where is somebody at right now? Are they coming back from surgeries like you? Are they coming back from a stress fracture like me? Are they peaking and like really on the way up? And there's some really big race that's coming up. Like what's kind of in play? What's at stake? And, you know, you kind of take that all into account. But man, we all got to get past that looking at what this person, it's not healthy, man. It's not healthy at all. And it's only going to lead to behavior that's going to land you either injured or unhappy or unfulfilled. Yeah. And, and outside of running, it's just going to make you act like a different person and you're not going to be able to be yourself. Right. Like just gen, general, generally in life. And, you know, you don't, you don't love the person that's staring back at you in the mirror, you know, like you put all these filters on your face for Instagram, you know, it's, you can take it down any road and it's the same thing, you know, it's not just running. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit. About, obviously this opportunity with Under Armour is huge. And so it was Stephen Haas kind of who gave you the opportunity. Um, were there other coaches too? Cause I know you had some other coaches that you had spoken to me about before we came on who kind of had an impact, um, high school, college, like who are coaches that really, you know, had an impact and shaped you working with you with your, uh, in your athletic career? Yeah. So I actually have been extremely blessed with coaches. Like I can take it all the way back to middle school. My middle school coach was awesome. And he, like, he just, he could like, just teach like lessons in running and he was just a great coach, uh, coach Morgan. And then my high school coach, Scott Biola, like he was fantastic. And I don't, at, at the time you don't even realize how good they are at what they're doing. Like you're having fun with your friends. Like you just want to play ultimate Frisbee. You're not, you just like, let's get practice over with, but like the things we were doing, it was high quality, like, and, and it's not like too much. I'm, I wasn't the kid running 70, 80, 90 miles a week in high school and then burnt out, you know, it was like 30, 40 miles enough to get better and quality work. Uh, you know, and, and then in college, Jason Dunn, one of the best coaches I've ever had. He's fantastic. And he coached at Stanford, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Virginia, Arizona state. I mean, he's been everywhere and everybody loves him. Um, and then now Stephen Hassan, Shayla Houlihan. I mean, they're, I've, I've just been so blessed. Like, and Zap, Peter Ray, Ryan Warmberg. I mean, I, all of them, all the coaches I've had, they've been fantastic and a lot of times they come from different angles. And I think that's really important because um, sometimes, you know, every like Olympic cycle or five years or something, you kind of need to switch it up um, so it doesn't get stale, you know? So I think I've been super blessed with that and just lucky to have had the journey that I've had with the, the not just coaches, but the people that they were, you know, like I'm still close with all of them, you know? So just, it's just really cool. Yeah. I think, um, there's a lot in there too. And, um, you've obviously bet on yourself. We've been talking about that a lot, you know, how much you double down, bet on yourself, you know, took every risk there was to continue to see what you can be. And as I said, the story's far from over it is, you know, maybe we're like halfway through this book. Maybe we're even less, we don't know, or maybe we're towards the end. There's no way to know at this point. I mean, as far as the running element of your life, I mean, running is going to be part of your life forever. There's no question about that. Whether you become like a huge mentor, the way some of these coaches were to you with a specific athlete or groups of athletes, or maybe even coach uh, collegiately or something like that. Who knows where that's going to go after you take your biggest swings and you take this thing as far as you can with your own running as you should. Um, 
and it's going to be super exciting to follow that along and, and see where it plays out. But um, I think what I always like to know too is were they just great like technically, you know, that they didn't push you too hard. You talked about mileage, you know, so when you were younger and you were kind of growing into yourself, so they didn't try to break you, which is what a lot of really, what are the mistake almost so many coaches make? Oh my God, I have Mary Kane here. I have this athlete. Let me just crank their mileage up and let me see if I can break them so that they can set some records in high school. And as you said, be toast, be fried, and just say, I don't ever want to run another step in my life. So um, do you think they believed in you as much as it was it was it more like what the recipe was, like the workouts, the style, or was it more like they really believed in you and that really came through? Like or was it a combination of like all of it? It was uh so I mean, just good human beings, first of all, which I I just get I just get along with so much, you know, like I just I just love I just love that. And that and just technically just good coaches, but nobody believes in me. Like I believe in me. It's ridiculous. Like I'm not a cocky person and I don't talk about it a lot, but man, I mean, if there was a line like right now for, uh, for who's going to make the Olympic team, I'm putting, I'm putting all I have on myself and I, I haven't run anywhere near, like, I think I'm sitting 10th in the U S right now uh, in 2021. Like I'm, I'm nowhere near that, like top three right now, but I just, it's, it's weird. And I'm, I'm lucky to just naturally have this. Cause I know so many people struggle with that, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, Jason Dunn, I remember we had a workout one time. I, I was super stoked afterwards. It was like, it was like six by 800, 205 down to 159. So, you know, you break two in practice, you're excited. That's just generally how it goes, especially as you know, like a 21, 22 year old kid. And I remember I finished and I was all pumped and he comes up to me. He's like, not bad. And, he, and he's just like, but Chris Derrick did when, like when he was coaching at Stanford and just ripped all the times off. And I'm just like, well, okay, I guess my workout sucked. Thanks coach. You know, like, I, I mean, so it's, it was, it was less about how much they believed in me because I didn't need that. I, I just believe in myself. Like every time, every time I step on the line, like no matter how many times I've failed. So it was more just, you know, technical, technically good coaches sound coaches and just good human beings. Yeah. I, I think it's great. I just really, that, that really is something I, I just love to explore. And I love to like peel the, peel the onion back on that because it depends on who we are. And a lot of the runners that I have on the show, not saying they're not strong mentally like you, maybe, but that's just not their main strength. I mean, we all have certain attributes and it all mashes up together right? And then at the end of it all, we form this kind of entity as a runner and it's okay. Who's got the fast twitch and slow twitch, but who's got the strongest mindset and who has this, who has the ability to grind and be able to push through pain at like a next level thing, like pre could like you take all these characteristics together. So the fact that you believe so much in yourself, you don't need your coach to do that. Other athletes need that a lot. Okay. And so if I'm going to direct somebody or recommend somebody, I'm going to know, okay, this athlete right here needs a coach who's going to be as much a cheerleader or be like, brand, you know, I got you, man. You're going to, you're going to do this, man. Like you're 10th right now, but no, you're going to be podium. It's going to happen. You don't need that. You don't need the speech. You don't need, we're on the path. You don't need any of that, man. You just need, but, but I've also got my shortcomings, you know, like we all have our strengths and weaknesses. So yeah, like the people that need that belief, like maybe they're just like crazy, crazy strong and healthy and just can't get injured and just 
and just grind out training super easy. You know, that it could be anything, but yeah, we've all got our strengths and weaknesses. And like, I like that you got, you know, you got to find the coach that meshes with like their strengths, pick up your weaknesses and your strengths, pick up their weaknesses. Like, and it's, it's a relationship just like uh, marriage, you know, just like anything, uh, a friendship. hundred percent. I know, um, you know, we had, you had basically like two years where you literally were almost not running at all. And I know you had some, you had some dark times in there and I just love getting runners to share, you know, when they're in those kind of spots, you know, what worked for you, because this is no easy solution, especially not on top of it forming during COVID and other things. So what were some things that you were able to do that just kind of help you? Because I know it's changed you as a person on the other side of it. What were some things that helped you when you hit maybe like your darkest point and like how you kind of started to turn that around and what, what you did that, that helped you get on this path? Um, so just some simple stuff. Uh, for me, the biggest thing was meditation. Um, just trying to be at peace with yourself. I mean, ironically at first, it's like the hardest thing to do because when you're in that, that bad of a place, you don't want to sit quietly with yourself. So you start with a minute, right? You start with a minute, you start with two minutes and you get up to 20 minutes over the next couple months. Just like if you're coming back from running, you got to build up your mental strength, uh, your, your mindset. Um, just like physically, when you want to, you want to go run a 10 mile run, you can't just do that. If you haven't ran for three months, you have to build up two, three, four, you know? Um, and I went to a lot of therapy. Um, I was blessed that, um, one of my teammates at zap, uh, her mother, Debbie Thompson paid for my therapy. Like she, she paid for me to go to therapy just out of love, out of the kindness of her heart. Um, and I just, uh, I would, I've just been so grateful with the people in my life. Uh, my mom is just such a supporter. Like she, she believes in me like I do. And that's probably why I have that belief in myself. Cause she just instilled it in me when I was, when I was young. Um, and so I'm just super lucky from, from that aspect, but meditation therapy, just being around good people in your corner. Don't, don't, don't lock yourself in your room and watch TV all day. Like even if you're depressed and miserable and you just want to be alone, you don't have to put a, a smile. Don't don't be around people that you have to put a fake smile on. Just go put yourself in a situation that you're more likely to enjoy. So for me, we had like a little like uh, man cave that was that was at Zap, and instead of me hiding in my room, I would just go sit on the couch. I didn't have to talk to anybody. I was just watching my teammates play video games really. And it was just a better atmosphere than me sitting in a dark room by myself, thinking about dark things, like possibly doing dark things to myself and just put, so putting yourself in situations that you will enjoy more, even if you don't want to meditation therapy and staying away from drugs and alcohol. Like I, I love beer. I, I love beer. I, just brewed 60 beers like a month ago and they came out great. I'm a huge beer drinker. Um, and you know, in season, you know, I'm having one or two, every couple, two or three days, you know? Um, but you just got to stay away from that kind of stuff when you're in that dark place, because it just, it, it, it's a numbing effect. It, it's not a healing effect. You know, it, it's, it's an escape. It doesn't actually help you at the end of the day. And, you know, I was, I was at a place, uh, at the end of Oklahoma, when I was at Oklahoma in 2016, 2017, where I was, I was an, I was an alcoholic, a bad alcoholic. I mean, putting down 15, 20 beers a night, like miserable, like hiding it from people, like just bad shit. Um, 
you can't do that. It just, it'll just spiral. It'll just get worse and worse. And you do stupid things when you've been drinking like that. And it's just, you know, it's, you just got to try to stay away from it. You know, when you're in that bad headspace, that's, so that's, that's my advice, you know, stay, stay away from the drugs and alcohol therapy, you know, like who, who cares? Like it's, it's not, don't be prideful, go see a therapist, like fix your mental health. I don't know why people think it's such a bad thing. Like be vulnerable. You don't, you can be vulnerable and a man at the same time. So those two meditation, that was probably the biggest one for me. And just putting yourself in situations that, that you're more likely to enjoy life. And those, those things for me were what honestly are the reason I'm still alive today. Um, I've, I have tried to commit suicide twice. Um, and I won't go into a bunch of detail and get all down and depressed, but you know, I was in, I was in, I was in a bad place at, at, at a, for a very long time and it took a very long time to get out of it, but you have to work to get out of it. You have to take little steps to, to get yourself out of the, out of that hole. It's not just going to happen overnight and you just have to allow time to do the healing as well. So that's my, uh, that's my depression talk for the, for the night. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. Thanks for being vulnerable. Um, and every person's journey is so different. Um, and as you said, alcohol and drugs certainly just mask whatever pain or issues that we're not facing head on or, or taking head on and therapy. Yeah. It's sad that there is so much of a stigma and people just can't face it and be willing to talk about it and say, I need help for this or for that. And I think it's wonderful that you share that. I've had guests on who've, you know, tried to commit suicide, eating disorders, I mean, alcohol, drugs, all sorts of things. And, um, you know, I think we're all just trying to get it right. And we're all just trying to figure out how to be the best version of ourselves. And in your case, I think it's great that you can still have a drink and still enjoy it and brew your own beer and not just cut it off altogether. And that is not a judgment on any of my friends who've decided they can't drink at all. It's not. I'm not judging it them. It took a while to they, get there. You yeah. Know, it's, yeah. To yeah. trust yourself again, right? Yeah. So I'm not saying like, okay, they they have it wrong. You have it right. Anything. Every person has to figure out in their own case, can they manage X, whatever X is, and can they can they function and be a good human being? And, you know, I know what I hear from you and, you know, there's just a lot of gratitude and, you know, like the ability to want to thank people for helping you in your own journey in every step of it. And so it's wonderful, you know, that you shared the mom who, who paid that we'll, we'll give her a, show, a shout out in the show as well, because man, you know, in life, we can't make it on our own. Um, I think as humans, we're programmed to want to help other people. We want to hold a door for someone. We want to help somebody through a tough time. We want to do the heavy lifting if they can't, but we are awful. We are goddamn awful at saying, holy shit, Brandon, I'm in a fucking dark place. I need help. I'm fucked up right now. I can't get it right. And you're not a therapist. You're not going to fix them. But you're going to be like, okay, man, listen, thanks for sharing that with me. You know, maybe then you talk to that mom who then says, I'm going to, I'm going to work with you and I'm not going to charge you. So, I mean, we're just not good at asking for help and we, we need to be more aware of that. So these are, these are the things I just hope that in these episodes, there's just so much in here and we didn't even get to the good stuff yet, man, which we will, but we don't get to the good stuff in life. We don't ever get 
to be the best version of ourselves if we can't conquer our demons. And there isn't a person on this earth, I don't care who you're talking about, the most successful person to the poorest person who may be the happiest person in the world, who doesn't care about what anyone else thinks, who doesn't care what anyone else is doing. They just want to serve other people or they're happy internally, whether they pray every day or they meditate, whatever, because it's not about material things or something else. So I appreciate you sharing. And I know there's a lot of people that listen to my show who've been through an awful lot of hardship and difficult times. And every time somebody shares, it's just a good thing. We all get better for it. No, you're, I mean, you're exactly right. It's funny you said demons because uh, one of uh, one of my best friends um, when, when we were at Zap, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to write a book. Just Joe Stillen is his name. He's like, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to do a chapter on each guy, each guy, each teammate that's that I've, that I've been on the team with. And he told me my chapter was just going to be called demons because <laughs> I have so many demons. I, 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 and I've gotten rid of so many of them, but you know, I don't just, I don't just wake up in the morning now and I'm all happy, go lucky and enjoying everything. And now everything's hunky dory. You know, I, I, I got to meditate every day. I got to get my mind right. I've got to reset myself. And, you know, there's days when I'm like, I don't want to run today. And I'm like, you know what? Two years ago, I would have killed for a pain-free run. You know, you, you just got to remind yourself, you know, the work never ends, you know, and it's just, yeah, everybody's got their demons. Everybody's got their demons and you just got to ask for help. Like people want to help. You just have to ask. They can't help you if they don't know. There's, there's so much there and it's so true. And, you know, when someone listens to all of the great stuff from this episode, you know, it could be just those words. Sure, they care about you making the Olympic trial standard. Of course, they're going to care. They care that you've overcome two major surgeries and that you were flat broke and you didn't give a shit and said, I'm going to make my way out to Flagstaff and I'm going to try to find my way onto this team because you continue to bet on yourself. You believe in yourself. It's not cocky at all. I'll give you that a thousand percent. We've never met in our entire lives. And I, I know it isn't cockiness. If somebody thinks that, that everybody has a right to their opinion, but you can believe in yourself with every fiber of every ounce of your being, and it doesn't mean you're cocky, okay? It just means that that's how you are. And, you know, maybe it is from your mom, you know, always being there and, you know, being in your corner and all that and supporting you, and it's good stuff. So, um, you know, these are, these are great things. They're great things for people to listen to and hear because, man, if there's ever been a year in life when we have been challenged in every possible way. Should we get a vaccine? Should we not get a vaccine? Should we wear a mask? Should we not wear a mask? You know, political issues, just all sorts of challenges, being locked up. And human nature, man, we need to be outside. We need to be in the sun. We need to be moving, okay? And even if we're injured and we can't run, well, we can still go out and walk our dogs. We can still, you know, go on a walk, go on a trail, you know, get outside and get fresh air. And, you know, all of these things have just taken a toll you know, on us in this particular year, man, for oh, sure. And, and for me, the irony of that is I was miserable for like the three years leading into that. And then the last two years, while everybody else is starting to struggle, my life has thrived. I've been so happy. Everything is going right for me. Like, so if like the reason I talk about that dark stuff, if one person gets, gets something from that, like, I mean, me saying that the, some of that stuff is, is embarrassing for me. Like that's, that's tough to stay to say, but if one person, like if that, if that keeps one person from doing something really stupid or from gets one person to ask for help, then it was worth it. Like, and, and that's, that's, I mean, that's why we're talking about it. Right. That's, that's why we're talking about it. And like you said, a lot of people are struggling 
and I'm not, I'm doing so well right now. And I'm just so happy and grateful. And I just, I hope that, that, I mean, I just want to give back a little, and I hope that that can help one person, you know, and uh, you know, I mean, that's why we're talking about it. That's exactly why we're talking about it. And it does help a person because the beauty of the show, and it's not just uh, how many downloads or all the other stuff. It's the comments, man. It's the people who reach out to me and tell me, man, that long run, that episode was so great. And I love this part of XYZ. And there's nothing in the world that could make me happier than somebody talking about one specific episode in one specific moment that that caught them. It made them feel something really profound and it made them really think about something in their own situation beyond how fast can they run quarters and you know how much intervals should they have and what kind of fuel do they need for their marathon yeah, because the shallow stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean look there's a billion podcasts where you could go on and ask them, oh wait how many miles a week are you running? Okay. I don't sorry man. I just don't care. Honestly, I want to get to know you. And that's what this that's what this show's all about, man. And so now we get to transition into the good stuff. Um, and every bit we've talked about is good. Highs, lows, everywhere in between is good. But, you know, I want you to take us out to Icon Stadium. Try, well, first off, how did the invite transpire all that, you know, you know, getting out there, getting invited to the meet and all that stuff? Like, how did that all take place? And when did you know, like, hey, I'm healthy enough to take a swing. I want to go run. Like, you know, walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, so... I guess I'll bring us back to, uh, to February. Like I said, it wasn't a smooth ride as much as it sounds like it was. I was six days out of my first race in two and a half years in February. And I did a workout and ran way too hard on a rep and pulled my calf. And at the time I thought I tore my Achilles. Uh, the, the same one, the right one, literally six days at the last really hard workout before 1500, I was going to run in Phoenix. And I was fit. I had just done a great 800 session that I posted about because it was my best workout in forever. Cause that's what we do. We post about our best stuff. Of course. And, and I, I was so close and I, I, it ended up just being a pool and I took two full weeks off of running and that's all it ended up being. But I thought I was done for months. I thought I tore my Achilles. Um, like I got like an MRI. I was distraught. I mean, like I had gone two and a half years over two and a half years at that point without racing, I was finally about to race. I was ready to roll and I tear my Achilles, but I got super lucky. It was just a pulled calf, took two weeks off, built back. I was able to build back pretty fast because two weeks isn't a ton of time. Um, and then over this last month, really, I guess in early April, um, I, I couldn't hurdle without like just terrible pain in my Achilles. Like I was getting the quality sessions in on the track and I could do everything else, not quite pain-free with my Achilles, but, uh, close enough, you know, to where it wasn't affecting the, the quality of the work. And I couldn't get the hurdling down and I was just getting really upset again. And I would, I was entered in a couple steeples and I was like, I, can't, I just can't, I can't race right now. Um, I'm just not ready. Um, and then over, the, over just the course of a month, things just started clicking and, uh, my Achilles just started feeling better over the hurdles and, you know, uh, early May comes around. I almost ran, um, Mount Sac. Uh, I was actually entered in it. Um, just because Steven Haas is a great agent. So I'm super lucky. He's my coach. I can just get into any race when I haven't raced in three years, like the best steeplechase in the U S I get, I get into the field, probably not fair to some other guys, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy about it. And, so we entered in that one and the New York one. We decided to wait a week and 
um, decided to do the New York, uh, trials and miles race. And yeah, I, I honestly didn't know I was going to go out there alone because our team had been traveling like every weekend with both our coaches. And I found out I'm going to New York alone. I'm trying to figure out the freaking subway system. Like I'm like, I have $50 Uber, like to my hotel the first day. I'm like, well, I don't have a job right now, so I, I can't afford to keep doing that. So I'm like, figure out the subway system. I, the day before the race, I walked over three miles just to try to get on a track and barely was able to do anything because there's like a hundred people on the track. Um, but I was just like, whatever, like I'll just rest all day Friday. Were, were you at East Sixth street? Were you at the East Sixth street track? Do you know? I was at uh Riverside. Riverside on the West side. Yeah, you no, know, I know all, I, I wish we would have known each other, man. I would have, I live in Weehawken, which is just on the other side. You could have taken a ferry across and there's literally no one ever there. And it's facing oh, New York I city. Never when I out. say there's no one ever, <laughs> I mean, no one knows. So now we know each other, but yeah, I mean, I know, I know all the tracks in the city and they're all, they're all crowded, obviously, you know, everybody wants to get out and do a workout, but that track is other than kids playing soccer on the AstroTurf field on the inside. There's, I mean, you got some joggers and some people like oh, cruising around. Over a hundred people oh, on that track. No, dude, it was, dude, uh, yeah. dude, you could have been balling and I could have been filming it, but then again, we didn't know each other. So next time, man, next time next you time, roll, next, next time, time you roll that. through, man, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, between Tuesday's workout and like the rest of the week, things just weren't going super well, but I just wasn't worried about it. I was just super excited to get on the track again. Um, and then I pull up the weather Friday. Perfect. No wind. Uh, temperature's great. Um, we didn't get a pacer, but then the the guys in the race took the race and paced it almost perfectly. And I didn't help at all. So I was, I was super happy. I mean, things just clicked on the night and like, it didn't have to click the week before it didn't have to click two months going into it. Like it just clicked on the night. It was a well-hosted meet. Um, you know, they did a great job with all the COVID stuff, keeping people off the track, et cetera. And you know, I mean, I was honestly off the back most of the race and I just kind of hung in there and hung in there and hung in there and then probably should have won. I went a little bit late and I missed it by about a half a second, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy either way. <laughs> I saw, I saw you coming, man. It was a late charge. And, you know, I saw a couple of Twitter posts and I don't know who these people are to you. They're probably just friends or yeah, in Twitter. If you're not following somebody, you don't know who each of the people are. It's a little easier to figure out on Instagram because I kind of know way more people via Instagram than I do on Twitter. But yeah, you made you made a serious late push, and I saw your post race interview, which was just awesome. Um, loved it. Uh, I don't even know what I said. I was just blacked out. I was on cloud nine. I was so happy. <laughs> no, you were you were, and that came through. And honestly, the rest of it doesn't matter. I mean, that's obviously what came through because I mean, so much of what you talked about is, you know, being a Type A runner before and being obsessed over workouts and mileage and all this other stuff, you know, just paraphrasing, you know, I'm pretty much getting it right. But he just talked about gratitude a lot. And you even gave the runners credit that, you know, you didn't do any work, you know, they did all the work and they, they pulled you along, but obviously that's not true. Sure. Yes, they did do the work, but dude, you were right there, man. You were there strong and you covered it right to the end. And, you know, meanwhile, I'm pretty sure they don't have to worry about which foot they're hitting the water jump on and which foot they're landing on. And these are, these are not minor things. These are big things. And, you know, in a way, maybe it's distracting you to some degree because you have to think about that every time you get to the water jump versus everybody else. That's the last thing they're thinking about, man. They just want to make sure they make it through safely and, you know, get through unscathed for all the photographers who live like my boy, Johnny Zhang, who got some great shots of you. Shout out to my man, Johnny. Yeah. I'm going to have to have Johnny on at some point for sure, but he's just killing the game. I mean, the whole trials and miles scene just came together. 
honestly, the athletes brought one massive part of it, right? Because all these runners couldn't race and have so much at stake and so much fitness. But these photographers just from all around the U.S. just came out and wherever these races took place were there just like trying to top each other, man, shooting in black and white and color, playing around with all their settings and their focus. I mean, I've seen some of the best running photography I've ever seen in my life over this period of time. Just crazy. Nobody would have ever got those crazy shots of me after the race. I didn't even know that I was doing that. Like I was like, I knew I was like yelling and I was like super happy, but I didn't know I was like flexing and screaming. Like I must've just been, looked like the most ridiculous fool out there. Like just a quiet track and just me screaming like about a third place finish, but I was just having fun and they captured it and they did a great job with it. And that's one of the reasons like it, it just kind of blew up and I had my five minutes of fame. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I think like that's the beauty of the sport. It's pure. And what this sport is, if I've ever learned anything about it is Everybody likes the underdog and everybody likes someone who's making a comeback. Um, and that's true, man, whether it's a Rocky film or anything else, man, it's like, man, you've been through hell and back and then hell and back. And you're, you're right. Others are, and others have, and maybe in other sports too, but you know what, to not race for that period of time and to show up and hit the standard, dude, that's crazy. I mean, like you're, you're like a couple of weeks ago, you're, you're wondering if you're even going to be able to run. You know, you have a torn calf muscle, which you think is a torn Achilles, which I don't blame you because anytime anything happens on that right side, it's the same side. All runners are the same. You could be 30, 20, or 60. It's like, oh no, it's that again. It's like the the emoji eyes go and it's like, uh-oh, it happened again. And I mean, you've had two. So wow. I mean, for it to be just the calf muscle, obviously, and for you to come through it, and to get out there, I mean, tell us like, what was the juice like? Cause I've run at Icon. I've seen my son's run at Icon. I've been to a lot of meets there. What was the juice like for the race? Cause the trials and miles have done a really good job promoting this, you know, getting people on the track, doing interviews. Like what was the juice like for the event? So good. So good. And then, uh, Allie uh, on the, she has her on the run podcast. And yes. She was fantastic interview afterwards. Like a lot of times it's not always the the best interviewer uh, in track and field. And she was fantastic. I mean, just, just like the warm up on, on the bay, like on the, on the water was amazing. Like with the, the lights um, it was just, I mean, it was fantastic. Like everybody got, you know, sometimes like we have issues with hurdles, but everything was on time. Everything, everybody got every, everything out. You know, they didn't, didn't get any hurdles out too early because people don't realize the first lap you miss the water. And then you, then you like, avoid the first hurdle. So they have to get the hurdle on the track within the next 60 seconds before you get back and have it at the right height at the right spot. And it's a barrier. It's not a hurdle. It's, it's a heavy piece of equipment. And I don't know, everything, everything just kind of clicked, like you said. And, um, it was just, it was fantastic. I mean, I, I think the reason that I was, that I was screaming afterwards, cause that was like kind of well after the race. So at that point I knew I had gotten like, everything great that could have happened happened. I knew I saw the time I knew I had gotten under 832 the mark and I I didn't think I broke 830 and literally right before that so I had like my first race under the lights I competed super well I I hung I didn't hit any of the waters on the wrong foot so my Achilles felt good like I I finished the race I got the standard I was super happy and I was like nothing else could go nothing else could be better right now and then I'm list I just hear like and in third place, Brandon Dowdy, 829. And when I heard 29 instead of 30, I think that just sent me over the top. That just like, 
that's when I was just like, you know, one of the greatest moments of my life, probably like I just was so in the moment and enjoying it and feeling it. And like, I've got some goosebumps right now thinking about it. And like, it's not like I didn't think I was in that kind of shape, but just being out there again and doing it, like it's different than just knowing you can do it right. Like actually physically doing it. Like you can believe in yourself to the end of the world, but like until you do it, it hasn't happened. So yeah, I got, I got more gift. You know, I think I can run this, the Olympic standard. Like I say, I'm crazy belief in myself. <laughs> well, you got a lot of people believing in you right now. Um, and you know what? The emotion and energy, that's just going to bring more people in your corner, man. I mean, you should be, man, you should be fired up. You should be yelling and screaming. I mean, Jesus, you haven't even been able to run in almost three years in a race and to get out there and lace them up and have it all come together and then run a PR on top of it. You know, it's your PR. It's not like it's, uh, you know, this is not like, you know, five, 10 seconds off your PR. It's a freaking PR on top of it. And it's the Olympic standard. And you're building. So hopefully your Achilles is going to get more tolerable, right? Hopefully it's just going to continue to get better. I mean, I don't know that it's ever going to be like perfect or hundred percent. You may have to always manage the water jumps that way, but you know what? Being technical in that sport is everything anyway, man. If your technique isn't good, I mean, sure your fitness level has to be crazy, but if your technique isn't good, you're not going to win. You know that. I mean, so your technique and how you approach and how you land and all that stuff Man, what a what a beautiful sport to watch, man. It's beautiful. It's my favorite, man. It's my favorite. Of course, it's my just, you know, my son ran it, it in high school, so it's gotta be my favorite, but it's <laughs> it's awesome. It is different. It's a it's a different kind of pain. I won't say it's worse, but it's different. It's a different kind of pain than any other race. It just it, it hits you hard and fast. And like you just can't get you just feel like you can't get over the hurdles. And I just kind of love being able to, you know, one step at a time, one step at a time. And, and the water jumps, there's only seven of them. And the first three, you're not really that tired. So it's really just focusing four times and just making sure like, yeah, I can't just like zone out and be like grind to the finish line, but you know, it's, it's just, you know, I just got to make sure I hit it right. And it eventually it'll just start coming naturally. Probably, you know, my, my legs will automatically do that to protect the Achilles. So it's crazy. The the speed that you guys are running, it's crazy. Like, so, you know, 413, 1500s or 413 and a half. It's, it's insane. It's insane with no water barriers and no hurdles. It's insanely fast. And to add that other element of complexity on top of the fact of your injuries and the surgery at all, it's just, it's really crazy. So it's super cool. Um, and it's exciting as hell. And uh, you got time, man. Now you got time to keep building. So what's the best part pressures? There's no pressure now. Yeah. Like the, the, honestly, the trial's final. The thing about the steeple is it's probably going to go under 822 anyway. Like if you're, if you're top three, you're going to be under 822. So I'm not super worried about getting the standard, uh, the Olympic standard. Um, I'll probably try to go for it once, but I'll probably run a 1500, try to get another PR and just, yeah, like you said, just kind of build, um, get my mileage back up a little bit, get some tough workouts in and, uh, recover my Achilles and be ready to go in a month. That's and that's and that's when it's going down in a month, right? Yep. Yep. And how sick is is the new Hayward? Oh, the pictures. I mean, I obviously haven't been there yet, but uh the pictures look fantastic. And I I've always run super, super well at Hayward, so I'm so glad it's there. Uh both my fourth and fifth place finishes at NCAAs were there. Um and and then yeah, I'm just I'm excited. Yeah, it looks awesome. They put a lot of money and time and effort into it. And 
um, you know, it's track town USA as they call it. So, yeah. Yeah. I've seen some photography again, they've upped their levels. It's next level madness. Uh, the shooting that's going on at, you know, from the, the handful of meets or whatever that are taking place out there, it's just crazy. I mean, the sight lines are amazing. I mean, the place looks just remarkable and, you know, they've managed to maintain, you know, some feel of what the old, you know, architecture and building was like and the history and all that. Um, so what, a, what an opportunity for you to go back and somewhere where you've run really well. So how yeah. awesome, how awesome is that, man? Yeah. And like I said, I'm on bonus time now. It's all, all, all bonus from here on out. So I'm just going to enjoy it. I feel like I got less pressure on me than anybody else and more belief in myself than anybody else. So like only time will tell, but I'm excited. Well, those two things are going to play in your favor for sure. They're going to help. And uh, obviously staying healthy. Don't kill yourself. You know, even though I know that you, you know what you've been through, but you know, being smart and hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously that's big. And you know, you've learned that lesson, man, because way too many people have just crushed themselves right before it goes down. And then, you know, they don't have what it takes on race day. Prove it in the workout and you leave it in the workout. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And look what you were able to do here without even being in a race. So, you know, you know, you have it up here, you know, you have it here, you know, you just got to be healthy and take your big swing. And, you know, if you get it, great. If not, you left nothing on the table, man, which is, which is, Super awesome, man. And I know people are going to be like Jack to follow what's going on. You're going to have, you're going to have a big following. Your, 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 your numbers are going to go way up and, uh, we can't let you go out of here without talking about your own coaching too. Cause I know you're, you're building, yes. you got your Appreciate coach, you got your, you got your coaching business going and we want to help you out with that. So, um, you know, we'll put a, we'll put in the show notes, you know, a link to your website, all of the other stuff. So talk a little about your coaching philosophy. Cause I just absolutely loved it. First off, the Harry Potter thing was like, yep. I'm in. Oh, I'm all, the, uh, oh yeah. Happy, I'm, happy, healthy. I'm yeah. all in, man. He's chasing the snitch and I'm like, I'm down. I'm in. That's it. So, so uh, yeah. So what you're talking about, people that haven't been on my website, it's just the front page. Uh, my philosophy is very simple, just like the way I live my life. Happy, hungry, healthy, equal success. So I just have like a little gif of, for the hungry one of uh, Harry Potter chasing the snitch down, but uh, if you're happy, if you're enjoying life, and I know that that's not always a given, um, but that, if you're hungry, if you want it, if if you're passionate about it, and if you're healthy, if you're training smart and you're not trying to overdo it, um, and you've, you've got a good base, a good block, um, and you've been consistent, that is what creates success in the sport. Uh, you can get out, get away with two out of three um, a lot of the time, but having all three is very important. And, um, that's, that's my goal as a coach. So anything that I can do to develop that and help my, my athletes, sometimes it's like talking to them about tough things they're going through in life. Like I I've done this, done that countless times. I won't name names, but, um, sometimes that's the job of a coach. It's cause it's a relationship. Um, and everything is obviously individualized. Uh, I have three plans, 50, 75 and a hundred dollars a month. Um, and honestly, I've been kind of blowing up these last couple of days. So I'm going to have to bump that up. I'll probably take like two or three more people, um, at that price, but I'm going to have to bump it up. Um, but with that, with that said, uh, the goal is to get like t-shirts out there, uh, jerseys, make a community out of it. 
Um, you know, like just like, like we were talking about runners are weird and different and want to be around other runners. So like, uh, creating like a message board, like these are just all things that, um, that I'd like to do once I get, you know, in the 30 range of, of athletes, but yeah, I'm, I'm a very, very simple coach. Um, I like, I like effort over, over paces and, uh, I have like a very specific workout key to make sure. Cause a coach to athlete relationship can be tough online. So I have a, I have like an, a color coded effort key to sh- show. I'll tell you what color you're supposed to do the effort at. You tell me what it was and then it doesn't always match. And we adjust going forward. It's just simple coaching. Um, and I think just the fact that I've run at such a high level, I know what it takes to, to be, to be good, to run at, at almost any of the levels of my, of my athletes. And yeah, it's called DART, Dowdy's American running team. Uh, super simple. Um, and yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll link the link, the website, but I appreciate the plug. Yeah, we got, we got you on the link to the website and do you have, do you have an IG page for your coaching yet or no? No, no, I don't. Um, but a link's also a link to the website's also in my Instagram. So okay. yeah. Okay. And you know, you could down the road as you build it out, you could always get a private Facebook group for your athletes or other stuff like that. This way you can That's do some group, group stuff. Cause I mean, zoom is, um, if I've learned anything during the pandemic, cause these, these shows were all face to face and I'm a face to face guy, man. I just love being in the room with people and I love seeing people's reactions and expressions and, and that directs the next question or how, how we're going to continue something or maybe go even further on a subject. And I didn't think I could do this via zoom and man, was I proven wrong because zoom is, you know, yeah, you're, you're out in flag and I'm here in New Jersey, but it is, we're, we're still like in the same room, if you will. So I could tell you firsthand for coaching, you know, with your personality and your experience and the lessons you've learned from your own coaches and you've had real key relationships with your coaches all the way back to middle school, which is so rare. Um, so incredibly rare. So you got a lot of lessons you've learned that you can impart and share, but man, I would, I would definitely tell you, man, do some group, do some group or one-on-one via zoom, because, you know, that's like next level and, you know, charge more, you know, don't charge less. And I'm just, I'm just sharing that with you personally, because you know what, man, you're an elite athlete, you're a pro athlete, and you're going to put a lot of skin in the game for athletes. So, you know, don't, don't worry about charging less than somebody else, charge a little bit more, but just give, you know, maybe like a weekly or a monthly, you know, chat with people or some, some stuff like that. So I love yeah, to see- I do have uh, I do have a, a weekly for like the hundred dollar plan, a weekly nutrition tip and a running tip. And I've gotten so much praise on that. I actually have people that are paying me just to send them those tips uh, every week. And I don't even coach them like $50 a month just to get those tips. So just like personal things that I've learned. Um, and I just kind of break it down, uh, like to categories in different months and then subcategories each week. But yeah, so that's, that's something that I, that I do as well. That's great. That's fantastic. And, you know, for on the networking side, you know, try to use your connections, you know, like I know, you know, for you, you're probably using different modalities of therapy. You might be doing dry needling or acupuncture, or maybe it's deep tissue, but I mean, come on, man, you're, you're in flag, man. It's a connection of, of athletes out there. Some of the best in the world, you know, from marathon runners, track runners, you know, all different, you know, sports and the highest level competitive stuff, boulders like that, try to tap into that community. And, you know, even if they're not physically able to treat somebody, I'm sure they can help or, you know, share best practices on things that you can maybe like roll in and do some added value stuff with for your coaching. Thank you. I appreciate that. No, that, that, 
I do need to start, you know, doing that kind of stuff and, you know, the creating the Facebook groups and, and whatnot. And you know, I appreciate the the tip. Um, yeah. Um, I'm excited for what's to come. You know, I've only had the business for, like I said, about a year and a half or two years and uh, yeah, it's, it's growing pretty big. And I think the more success I have as an athlete, the more traffic I'll get. Um, and then the more things like that I can do and the jerseys I can add and the, you know, just the, the little more fun things, um, that, that, that really make running and community of running fun. Cool. Well, listen, if you're coming back East for anything, New York, New Jersey, even Philly, Boston, that whole kind of East coast Carter, let me know. We'll try to put some sort of clinic or something fun together. We'll do a live show. We'll get some people. We'll do a group run. You know, we'll bring some people together. We'll talk about what you've been up to, what's going on, and then just, you know, connect them with your coaching and try to try to bring you some more people, man. Appreciate that, man. Appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, man. Absolutely, man. Always good times. In-person stuff is the best. IRL, man, in real life, man. We got to get back to it, man, because yeah. man, we can't be doing shit virtual for the rest of our lives, man. We got to go mask-free, in-person, man, and just bring bring the juice, man, bring the energy. So listen, you shared so many awesome things. Uh, I know it's going to inspire tons of people hearing your story, hearing what you've been through. And the highs and lows, all of it, it's just, uh, it's definitely going to move the needle and resonate with so many people. Before we roll out of here, do you have anything else big for 2021 or even, you know, doesn't have to be running related, just anything at all that we didn't get a chance to touch on that you want to make sure we cover before we roll out? I think we pretty much hit everything. Yeah, we've been, uh, we've been chatting for a while, but it's been a good time. And I'm, I'm, I'm really pumped you had me on, man. Well, I, I couldn't appreciate it more, man, especially coming off your race and, so close to it um, and getting a chance to share those awesome moments with you and everything has just been super, super fun. So I appreciate you and thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing it all with the Run Chats audience. Uh, we appreciate it, man. Thanks, Tron. All right, man, as we close out every show, we always tell all the runners to keep lacing them up, keep getting out the door and always remember to stay in the fight. Wow. Brandon Dowdy, thank you for bringing your remarkable story to Run Chats. What a blessing it was to be part of this conversation, man. I can't tell you all, and I hope you are all feeling the same way, stoked to be sitting on the couch when the Olympic trials take place in Eugene in a less than a month, I think around a month's time. I hope you're all going to be as fired up as me with a huge bowl of popcorn and a couple of cold ones, cheering your heads off for Brandon and having the Run Chats fan behind him supporting him because, man, what a remarkable story to overcome so many physical injury challenges, to be in such a dark and difficult place that all of those things, how that impacted his mindset and his well-being and his mental health, and to have the courage to tackle that, to get therapy, to work on meditation and his mindset and his, his daily practice to get himself healthy in a time, ironically, when most of the rest of the world was starting to spin the other way with COVID, where people were going into dark places. So it's just such an inspiring story, and I feel super blessed to have this podcast and have the opportunity to talk with guests like Brandon, because every time I hear a story like this, it just fires me up so much more. And I hope it has the same effect on all of you and for anybody out there that's thinking about giving up their big dream in life. And it doesn't have to be running related, man. Give this episode a listen. 
and give yourself another chance, maybe two more chances, three more chances, because uh, Lord knows sometimes good things can happen when you just keep grinding and you stay in the fight. Uh, just wanted to do a quick shout out to a couple of guests recently who've done some great reviews on the pod. Tara uh, wrote a wonderful review recently, and we also had uh, Scott as well and Lynn. So Tara, Scott, and Lynn were the last three people to write some stellar reviews on Apple Podcasts on Run Chat. So a little shout out for the three of you. And I promise I'm going to try to shout out everybody. If I know um, the iTunes username, sometimes I just can't decipher it uh, based on you know what your name is when you log in. So listen, people, we're rolling. We're getting great guests on the show. Thanks to the momentum that you all have created by following, sharing episodes, and doing all the good stuff. So let's keep it rolling Let's keep doing what we're doing, what we say every time. Keep lacing them up, my friends. Keep getting out the door. And always remember to stay in the fight. Peace out, my friends. <laughs>